Do you do Christmas presents? I'm assuming you do it during Christmas Day. Yeah, we're Christmas Day people. Okay. We're Christmas Eve people. Christmas Eve people. Is that like a Puerto Rican? I think Hispanic it's a Hispanic thing? thing. Yeah. Okay. So actually originally we did three Kings day, January 6th. Oh, okay. Because that's when Jesus got his presents. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, and that's what yeah. we should be celebrating. Exactly. Welcome to TikTok Theology, a podcast that tackles the major trending topics on social media that concern the Christian faith. I'm Megan. And I'm Steven. We know you can't form a theology in three minutes or less but those videos can identify current issues. TikTok will give us the prompt and then we'll do a deep dive. Thanks for joining us in this exploration. Welcome back, friends, to our last episode of season one. All right. Thank you uh, to everybody who joined us on this season and who made it all the way to this last episode. We're so excited to uh, give you our last one, uh, a really good one, we think. Mm -hmm. We're going to be chatting about um, consumerism. And overconsumption during the holidays. <laughs> yeah, pretty apropos, right? Yeah. So this topic is not as much a, a thing that is trending on social media, mm-hmm. but it is something that I caught on social media that was a thing Yeah. that I thought, man, this is going to be good to talk to. And we have a really stinking good guest coming on and um, we'll intro him in a second. Yeah. But first, let, let me talk about what kind of brought me to this. Have you ever have you ever watched YouTube Kids? I mean, I don't know why you would watch it, but... No, I do not frequent YouTube no. Kids, yeah. no. That was past the time of my childhood, and then I do not frequent it as an adult, no. Right. So there was this trend on YouTube Kids where they would do unboxings of toys. Yeah. Ryan's little toy situation. He was like the second highest grossing YouTuber. Right. Like on the entire like becoming like a millionaire. Just like, yeah, just cause things. he opened toys. Nuts. Yeah. And so what they're doing is just, you know, going on it on YouTube, filming kids, essentially open toys and then respond, reacting yeah. to it, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it's fine, whatever. It just seems like a little trend thing to do. But what I noticed was, um, so I have a daughter, she is now nine, mm-hmm. but back when she was like three or four, like little, yeah. And this was start- in the asking for toys era in the asking for toys era. Mm-hmm. And when this is becoming a trend, okay. when Ryan is like starting his thing out, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> so we were in at, back at home in Florida with our family and stuff like that. And she was opening presents and she just got like, through a bunch of them. I mean, she opened like, like, cause you know, it's like uh, the one granddaughter of, of both of them. So they're like, they're flooding her with toys. Yeah. You know they were like, saying? here's Sister. literally everything yeah. you have. And, and so she went through all of them and then, she ran out after like the 15th toy or something like that. She opened and then she just totally freaked out. Like she, she was screaming like she wanted more stuff. And I've never seen her as materialistic in life ever. Hmm. And I know that kids can get that way for sure. Yeah. But there was something else that was compounded. and, And I realized she had been on this whole trip watching these videos like for hours because mm-hmm. it was almost like really quick little childcare. Like if you're trying to eat a quick, easy dinner yeah. at a restaurant, Hey, go watch the phone and you can watch and right. they're watching these unboxing videos. Mm-hmm. But I think it actually stirred up this notion of consumption mm-hmm. in this small girl yeah. who is being so, you know, formed by what she's viewing. Mm-hmm. And so now she's getting a sense of the world as something to be had, something to be consumed. Yeah. And it is, um, 
Yeah, I, I thought that was really detrimental. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think what's interesting is overconsumption and stuff is definitely like, I think it's definitely a social media conversation and TikTok and stuff. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, we're going to tie it into like Christianity and how it relates to like <laughs> our faith and stuff. So we're going to tie that in a little because the overconsumption is not so much a Christian conversation happening on TikTok, but there is like, I don't think you could watch a video where someone's not opening like their fifth Stanley cup. Right. And someone's not in the comments like, how, like what is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> like why do you need five yeah. or everything they buy and they buy like those Amazon influencers who like buy everything on Amazon and have like get paid to have an Amazon storefront. Yeah. And there's like, here's the exact same thing in like short sleeve, long sleeve tank top pants. And then it's like six of each is in a pack. And you're yeah. like, what is like, how do you need that many? Like now yeah. we are just over consuming. Like now right. we're just buying to buy. And it becomes a thing where this consumption, this way of life of consumption in our, in our materialistic uh, Western world mm-hmm. um, forms us deeply and shapes yes. us. And I think this is where theology comes into play yes. where, where this is a, a, a competitive thing. Now, now that mm-hmm. consumption, this, this market driven world yeah. of consumption that we live in mm-hmm. is competing with how God has designed for us to yeah. live. Yes. You know, he talks about us being content and God being Jaira, being our provider. Mm-hmm. But then this this consumption and these ads and stuff is always telling us we need more and more and more. Yeah. And God is not like our Amazon influencer. Like he's not necessarily going to give us all of these things. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's going to give us what, what's, he's gonna what, give we us what we need. And what's good and for us. And when that looks different than what we're being conditioned on social media mm-hmm. that we need to receive. Yeah. Um, it also makes us really fiscally irresponsible. Yeah. And then that affects like, how people tithe. Like it does actually influence a lot of elements of the Christian faith and even in com- concepts like Sabbath, which we are going to get into. Yeah. So you bring that up. I do bring that up because, because we have a very special, special guest. Such a good guest. <laughs> He's literally one of my uh, favorite uh, writers and scholars and speakers Me out well. there. A uh, friend of mine. We are so stinking excited. Um, his name is AJ Swoboda. He is, um, you might have heard of him. He's written some really great books and we could literally have him on and pretty much on every For podcast. For any topic episode. ever at all. Yeah. And um, he's wrote, he's, he's written um, After Doubt, The Dusty Ones. One of my personal favorites though, and I think that's going to speak really strongly to what we're talking about here mm-hmm. is his book called Subversive Sabbath. Yes. And it talks about how living a life of Sabbath is so countercultural and mm-hmm. counterintuitive to what the West is saying. Yeah. So let me tell you about AJ real quick. So he is an assistant professor of Bible and theology um, and world Christianity at Bushnell University. And that's kind of his main, um, you know, stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. And then he also adjuncts in a bunch of places. He leads a doctor of ministry program around the Holy Spirit and leadership at Fuller. And he's actually even an adjunct for us at Life Pacific, yes, which is, is so exciting in our, in our, in our Mats and MDiv programs. Yes. And he is based in Oregon and uh, just a fantastic thinker, speaker, generous dude. And the book we're going to talk about mostly, Subversive Sabbath, has won awards. It's pretty fantastic. So let's, uh, let's switch over to our conversation. All right. Hello, AJ. How are you doing? You guys, so well. <laughs> so, so good. Well. It is finals week here at the university, uh, as I've shared, and um, my blood pressure is doing great. <laughs> all right, all right. You're speaking life to a to a deadly situation, huh? The may the bones rise. <laughs> Amen. Let the bones live. 
that's good. Yeah. I'm doing great. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. Um, you're a fan favorite at LPU and just beyond. And, um, and so super gracious and, uh, and man, this issue, this thing we're going to talk about consumed by consumerism. I think you have, uh, spoken about so brilliantly in your book, Subversive Sabbath. So we kind of want to pick your brain on that if it's all right. So yeah, I mean, the holiday season equals consumerism in a lot of ways. So it's like Jesus and also a Stanley Cup. Praise God. So <laughs> um, let's let just let's just jump right into this. So let's start with do we as Christians, as people, as Americans, because that's what we're speaking from. Um, do we idolize wealth? <laughs> if you want to jump in. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks for yes. answering that. <laughs> no. Thank you guys. This has been AJ Swoboda. Um, go read his book. It'll be linked in the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So do we idolize wealth? One of the most, and, and I will, I'm comfortable saying that any, anytime you write something, there comes a moment down the road when you realize that something that you wrote, uh, you don't do. And it, and it, and, and it, and it has this effect on you of realizing how profoundly hypocritical you are mm. to put something out that you yourself have not done. And there is a, there's a, a story. In the book of Numbers, I'm going to answer your question, which is that this is my answer. There's a story in the book of Numbers that um, even as I'm sitting here and talking to you, I feel very uncomfortable that, at how I have not taken it seriously enough. And I have written on it. It's fair. And it yeah. is the commandment around in the, in the wilderness. It is the commandment of not on the, on the day of preparation. And, and the day, the six days, only taking as much manna as you and your family need. Mm. Um, because if you take too much, others cannot eat. Now, that's a very odd thing to have written into a supernatural event. You would assume a supernatural event of God providing manna in the desert would mean that there is endlessness. Yeah. But even the supernatural graciousness of God has limits. Mm. That's good. I am uncomfortable with and, and and it's it's biblical and it's and it's and it's godly. But when I or we take too much, it is a sin against our neighbor mm. because mm. it makes it impossible for them to receive wow. something. And here's a great example. I, I teach a number of adjunct courses at a couple of schools and I'm a full-time professor. I have a full tenure, I have full professorship. I'm not a tenured professor, but I'm, I'm a full-time academic. And when I say yes to every adjunct teaching role that I take, that is simultaneously an adjunct teacher receiving a no, somebody else. Mm. Here's my answer to your question. Yes. It's not because we're Americans, it's because we're sinners. Mm. And it is, and it is on a deep level to take more than we need. It is, it is a breakdown of loving the neighbor. And it is, it, it, Mark, I, I just, I just lectured on this. Mark 10, Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler 
and he's and the guy says jesus how can i you know be in your kingdom and he says do the commandments and he says well i've done them since i was young and then jesus says he lists the commandments and if you look closely jesus and only jesus can do this he adds a commandment thou shall not defraud mm. now i've read my exodus 20. It's not in there mm. do not steal is in there and how is the guy rich he's a rich young ruler he has been taking too much mm. and jesus jesus is commanding him stop taking so much i i here's my point yes we worship wealth because we're humans and we're sinners and humans and sinners worship wealth and it and it and this christmas and this christmas is like our liturgy of worshiping wealth mm. Mm. and i'm complicit mm. that's powerful that's good I, I i in fact i feel so uncomfortable if we're going to use this conversation to talk about all those other people yeah um because because it's it's me i'm the yeah. problem it's for all of us yeah that's that's good yeah and i think i think just the posture of we can't take what scripture says to point fingers we have to look at the mirror we have to look at god shaping us and, and moving us because we are also part of this too i think what you're hitting at you know it speaks towards a little bit of of god calling us into covenant with him right and when we're in covenant with God and we're a people of God, we're supposed to give into this um, economy that's a little different than, you know, a, a free market society or whatever. And I'm not trying to demonize any kind of worldly no. economy because we all have to exist as the kingdom of God in the world. We, we have to function in that. Yep. But we're, you know, we're called to to give. Nimi Waraboko you know, great Pentecostal ethicist, uh, friend of uh, both of ours, I'm, I'm sure. Um, he he has this book where he talks about scarcity. And he was saying um, the idea of, it's called The Split Economy. Have you, are you familiar with that book, The Split Economy? Uh, um, not, not, not that particular work, but I have okay. read a number of, yeah, other, other things. Yeah. yeah. So, he, so he talks about scarcity in and of itself is not actually the evil thing. It's, mm. it's a, it's a marker saying that the resources are finite, that there is, that they are mm. limited. And then there's a time when there's less here. And so yes. what should we do? We should share, pull together and make sure that we advocate for each other. So we all make it through. And, but what the problem is, is the scarcity mindset. That's something Pharaoh might've had that, you know, the idea mm. that like, I don't have enough, so I'm going to hoard, I'm going to take more than what I have. And, um, and in that you are leaving others without. You know, there's a time when we need to take less because others have even less, yep. you know. And so thinking of that in terms of like a, a biblical concept of, of, of money and, and wealth, hoarding is the issue, right? I mean, it is, mm. it is the, like what you're talking about defrauding, it's, uh, it's, it's taking more for yourself so that way others won't have it in this limited space where there's only so much to go around. Yes. Yes. So, so, um, there's this there's this old testament this this hebrew concept of you were talking about being covenant people right so there's yeah. all of these different layers in in the in the hebrew uh in, in the hebrew scriptures around um different forms of generosity so so for example you have the the tithe uh which is uh a a, a tenth of of all of your life it's mm -hmm. a tenth of everything you give to uh to uh, out of worship to god mm -hmm. there's the um there's the gleaning laws. This is a cool principle, the gleaning laws of mm -hmm. Leviticus, which are Deuteronomy and Leviticus, which are when you farm, um, you don't, um, you don't take all the fruit 
and you don't take all the grain. Meaning, isn't it interesting mm-hmm. that part of generosity is not taking too much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and by the way, there have been New Testament scholars who have um, have connected this to Jesus um, walking through the fields on the Sabbath and eating the grain. Mm-hmm. What's he eating? The He's gleaning. Gleaning, yeah. He he is catch the irony in this because Jesus was poor. Jesus Jesus the Son of God incarnate mm. is benefiting benefiting from the laws he has established. Mm. <laughs> Those are his laws. Yeah, he made yeah. that up. That's like his thing, yeah. right? He's the word. It was at the beginning. He was so he he established that. And it, in the end, becomes the thing that provides for him in his earthly existence. And he's from the lineage too, like Ruth. Ruth was a gleaner. Yes, yeah. you have the all hundred percent. The glean. You can't. It, Jesus's entire ministry was based on the generosity of other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Luke ends his gospel by saying there were these rich, rich chicks, these rich ladies, who are like paying his way. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Here's my point. I said yeah. rich chicks. I can't believe the word rich chicks came out of my mouth. Hey. That's okay. We're going to put it on merch though. It here. I'll just keep saying it. Anyways, um, <laughs> these rich ladies, these like super well-off ladies are supporting his ministry. And then you have the the firstborn commandment, which is uh, when you you have a firstborn of anything, child, an animal, first fruits, the first idea, Yeah. you give the first thing to God. Mm. the very first thing to God. You don't give the 10th, the third, you give the first thing to God. Mm-hmm. So Sandra Richter is an Old Testament scholar at uh, Westmont um, in her book on Eden, Storting Eden, I think is the title of her name. Um, she, she does this whole thing on how that commandment, the firstborn, is at the end of the day, it is built on the premise of covenant, trust, and faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Because to give your firstborn and to give your first born of the flock and your firstborn child is an act of trusting God that he will replace it. Mm-hmm. Mm. To give requires faith. You cannot give without faith being present because mm. to give is to trust the bountiful God who can restore mm. what you have already given away. Yeah. Um, the, the scarcity mindset uh, is built on a lack of trust mm. in in God's divine providence. Absolutely. But there, yeah. but there comes a point though, that we take God's providence as license for selfishness. Mm. And that's where things get really dangerous is mm-hmm. when we know God will provide. And then we're like, okay, I'm going to use him as a, a convenience machine. Or we don't want to help others uh, because we think he's going to provide for them when he's, yes. act- when he's actually trying to use yes. you. Yes. To provide for yes. That. Okay. Here's the thing about Pentecostals, and I sign me <laughs> up, baby. Okay, sign me up. I'm as I'm as I'm. I accepted Amy Semple McPherson in my heart years ago. <laughs> I am as four Please. square. I am as four square as you can be, baby. Okay. <laughs> but here's the deal: for Pentecostals, we have a high view of supernatural power. God can do the supernatural. Yeah. And because we have a high view of the supernatural, it actually can create really really, really ingenerous people, people who are not generous because mm-hmm. we think we know God will provide supernaturally. So why do I need to give? And I, I want to say, isn't it so interesting that Paul, who literally resurrected a dead guy from dying after his sermon, 
He yeah. runs down the bottom of the stairs, resurrects this young boy. The guy who knew he could do any miracle God could, he could do miracles, has to write whole letters to fundraise. Right. He has to write Second Corinthians to say, no, like, like seriously, I'm going to Jerusalem and you need to give me some cash, bro. Because things are bad there. I need your money and I need it now. Yeah. I think it's so cool that Paul did not hide behind supernaturalism to mm. develop the character of generosity. Right. Right. And even even, you know, uh Philippians four thirteen, we quote it, but the you know, the idea of he knows it, like right before that, he's talking about I know what it is to have a lot and what it is to have a little. Bingo. You know, just getting that sense of of God being gyra through it all, through the yes. through the thick and the thin. Um, yes. and that, that's a, that's a, 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 a thick biblical concept of how to be generous and how to, how to navigate this stuff. Because we think that like, if we're in a time of scarcity that we, uh, like Pentecostals will be triumphalistic. So we've done something wrong. Mm. We've sinned. We've, mm. we've done something that has not, you know, achieved the rewards of God, but like, that's not how it is. The, the point is to, to make him Lord, make him King, yes. even in the times that are difficult. Yep. In my, in my, um, in my I have in in my lecture. I teach an Old Testament class. In my lectures on, you can believe it. In my lectures on First and Second Kings, I do a thing on the Northern Kingdom. So you got the Northern Kingdom, the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom eventually gets destroyed by Syria. The Southern Kingdom by Judah, by uh, Babylon. And the Northern Kingdom, right before, right before Assyria comes in and just gives them a whooping, man. Mm. Right before Assyria comes in, when Israel is at its most evil. They're practicing child sacrifice. They don't care for the widows and the orphans. It's bad news in the North. When you look at their economy for the 100 years before, right before they're destroyed by Syria, as a nation, they were killing it. Their economy was booming. They, I mean, they were doing better than they've ever done before. And I always, I take just a little moment to say, don't you dare assume that the quality of the bottom line speaks to your faithfulness to God. Good. That's good. You can be wildly unfaithful to God and your 401k is doing great. Mm. (laughs) And so there's a a reverse triumphalism that says, I'm blessed. Look at my 401k. Well, I'd say, look at the Northern kingdom and tell Mm. me how they were doing with the Lord. It's good. Yeah. Well, how I think that that is so countercultural of something that we've seen recently, even of like, prosperity gospel and this like stuff we're hearing from leaders who are like, Oh, well, God wants and intends to give you a lot or Mm. God intends for you to live a, this, that, and the other thing. So how would you respond to someone who's been taught that like God intends for you to live a life that's very fruitful in a sense of I have a lot. And so what would your response be to someone who's, who really has interpreted the Bible to some degree to say that, Oh, if I don't have a lot, like that's not God's best for me. Ah, okay. Okay. So, okay. So I'm going to say something that may, may sound, well, I'll say it. And then you tell me if it sounds stupid. (laughs) Um, I, I really think it's okay to make good money. Yeah. In fact, I think, I think, I think that we, um, we should seek to be so shrewd and good at our jobs that people want to pay us more to do what we do. I think it's okay to make good money. Yeah. And I don't think 
there, there is a reverse, almost poverty prosperity gospel mm-hmm. that says if you're poor, you must be doing it right. Mm. Sure. Same logic, but just in reverse. It's the same logic, but in reverse. And yeah. I see it actually a lot in more progressive environments mm-hmm. where it's like, if, if you, man, if you don't have anything, you're right on target. Um, and I don't, I just, I, I think both of those false equations are unhelpful to anybody, what be it on the rich side or the poor side, mm-hmm. to say nothing of the fact that poverty and wealth, that, that's so, um, relative to what i mean we're wildly rich compared to jesus was yeah um, like they're not the indicators of no. your stance with right <laughs> with yeah, the lord absolutely. i mean you you have you have for example you have uh i mean who who is who is the richest being in the universe who has more wealth more resources than anybody it's god and if we're going to say that wealth is a sin I, I don't know how comfortable you all are saying with saying yeah. God's a sinner. I'm, I don't know. What, I'm not, I, I, I am not comfortable with that. I'll tell you that God's right. wildly rich and the most generous being in the universe. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the most. He's the richest and most generous being in the universe. That's our model. It's the John Wesley deal. Like make as much as you can and give as much as you can away. Right. Yeah. Um, it's great to make money. I'm sorry, Megan. To your point though about the 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 prosperity mindset that one might be inculcated with on on some on some level the reality is and i almost feel uncomfortable saying this the reality is that the prosperity gospel even though it's wrong and it is it's anti-gospel mm-hmm. it works yeah and it works because it teaches people to just live open-handedly but the problem with the prosperity gospel is it reverses gospel and obedience Right. And so the problem is, um, is that it says, it, it says, give and then you'll get. Right. Whereas the gospel says, you give because you've already received. Mm-hmm. Right. But the prosper, I mean, I, I could tell you story after story, story of people who got into the prosperity gospel and it, it actually did very well for them. Right. And I, I'm not blessing it and saying it, it's good. I'm saying when you teach people how to be generous people, it revolutionizes their existence. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I've written a whole academic article against it. Um, I think I think it's wildly dangerous. And like anything, if I had a student who came into my office who said uh, I was inculcated in this view of the universe, I would say, if we worship the God of the universe who died on the cross to save us from sin, then the same God who has grace for our sin is the same God who has grace for our bad theology and there is grace for you. And let's, yeah. let's work it out. That's good. There, there is a we- I don't want to beat up people that believe in the prosperity gospel because ironically prosperity gospel is often believed in places um, where, uh, uh, where, where people look very differently than three white people do. Right. And in environments where um I don't know. I'm, I'm just slow to just category. I want to. I want to be gracious. Yeah. If I if I believe in the graciousness of the cross, then I want to be gracious towards bad theology. There's and there's also there's a difference of teaching prosperity in a place that um you know where you don't know if you're going to have meals for your family for the week, and teaching about God's abundance in a way that's tangible and real in that kind mm. of a situation, and um and us you know 
asking God for a Bentley. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a big yes. difference in that. Funding, yeah. your, I mean, funding your pastor's private jet. Yeah. Yes. Right. I would love, I, you guys, I would love a jet. <laughs> I, don't, right, we'll, I should do a we'll do a GoFundMe. We'll do a GoFundMe for go- AJ Sabota. Get him a jet. Love, you know, why jet. not? Okay. So, but I think what you're, you're talking about is this concept, uh, prosperity gospel, the flaw in the logic at least in this kind of hard prosperity that we see a lot of times in the West is that we see God as, you know, a cosmic piggy bank. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's right. not, per- he's not personal. He, like he is yeah. like, we see this as kind of this, this financial system that is very marketish yeah. when God in, in, uh, in scripture, we, we have much more of a concept of like, uh, he's our father. All that we have is his because he's given it to us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as he blesses Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. We're supposed to give out of, uh, generously out of our wealth because it's actually God's and we're just stewarding what God has already entrusted right. us to, which is, I, I think, just such a fundamentally different concept for how we in a, in a market society think. Mm. Well, because when you're looking at your money as something that you own and claim instead of something that you steward, then that changes your mindset entirely because it's like, oh, I'm just stewarding something that God has given me. It's very mm. different than I, this is mine. I own it. I got it. This is all about me. And I think that that changes your mentality of this wasn't mine to begin with. This is the Lord's and I'm much more open-handed with how I would use yeah. money that I'm stewarding. Uh, to, to say nothing of the fact that you're going to give it all away. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the whole, uh, how many times in the, in the book of, uh, in the book of either Job or the Psalms, the, where the, the, the Psalter, the, the, the author will say, um, or, or in Ecclesiastes, this is a big thing in Ecclesiastes. Um, the irony, God, that I will die and those that didn't work will get all my wealth. <laughs> right? Like yeah. the, this, the irony that like, that, that you will eventually, I mean, we, we will all be, be just like, I, 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 you, we're all generous eventually. <laughs> 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 like that. Force your hand. That's a good quote. That's we'll, a good we'll quote. get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Right. When they're separating this, my estate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 goal the goal is isn't this what following Jesus is about though? Is is following Jesus is is learning to do the things in life what we will get in death. Mm. Mm. So good. in death we will be generous. Isn't right. being a Christian practicing death now? Mm. That's yeah, good. it I is. Cr- it's Michael Gorman. It's the cruciform existence. Yeah. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't isn't the Christian life the cruciform existence where we daily choose? We die to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We die to our own. It's this. It's it is in life practicing death. That's good. That's good. We're all going to be generous eventually. That needs to be on a shirt. <laughs> You'll get there, baby. You'll we'll get there, baby. <laughs> all we're right. Collecting um, quotes for merch. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're not. We're not going to do merch. But if we did, that no. would be a good one. Um, and then we'll mark up the prices. You know what I mean? For your jet. Yeah, just kidding. Um, okay. So, this is the best uh, podcast I've ever been on in my entire life. Uh, that's good. That I'm putting on my own shirt. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, okay. So we, this has been such a fruitful and awesome conversation. I do want to ask one last set of questions as we wrap up here. There's this quote by, uh, Walter Brueggemann who has this really excellent, um, if anybody's out there, we'll put it in the show notes, but he has a book called money and possessions. And he goes through just the whole, whole scripture, just exegeting how the Bible handles money and how, how we're supposed to do it in a covenantal frame. It's just awesome. And 
you know, this speaks towards us having this market logic versus uh, um, a kingdom logic, or as I've learned from AJ, a Sabbath logic. And mm. I want to, um, which is a kingdom logic. And but, but look at this quote real quick. And then I want to hear what you think. Uh, Brueggemann says that we have a quote, quasi-religious passion of a consumer economy that is propelled by insatiable desire in which we never have enough money or enough of the possessions that money makes possible, end quote. Yes. And so thinking about that, how do you think Sabbath and uh, Sabbath logic subverts this quasi-religious passion we have for consumerism, for consumption and that insatiable desire? Yeah, um, that uh, quote makes me very uncomfortable. Um, I don't like it. And I wish that he never said that. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's my problem. Um, my problem is this. I, out of a deficit from my childhood, my family of origin, because I longed as a child to have a father that affirmed me and saw me because of that, when I became a Christian at 16 and figured out that I was a gifted speaker and teacher. Hmm. I quickly discovered that I could fill my lacking of a father with speaking roles. Mm. And by virtue of that, when I am invited to do something that is an ego enhancing opportunity that fills that hole in my life, I say yes to it without even thinking. Mm. And so I usher in the yes as really a salve to heal a deep childhood wound. And the Sabbath is essentially God's way of subverting that system. Because when you make it your goal that you will not make a decision until after the next Sabbath, mm. it means that you have to wait a little bit to sit on the why. Why am I making this decision? Why am I saying yes? Why am I going here? Why am The word that I didn't like that Brueggemann used is insatiable desire. Mm. And usually our insatiable desires are connected to our deepest wounds. Yeah. Mm. We say yes unthinkingly to fill those wounds as quick as we can because, because nature abhors a, fag, a vacuum. The Sabbath requires that I slow down and actually ask God. And it puts, in essence, you could put it this way, the Sabbath, the Sabbath exists as as a set of parking, as a, a set of brakes for desire. In fact, in my, my book that's coming out in February called The Gift of Thorns, Jesus, the Flesh, and the War for Our Wants, it's a book about desire. And I have a whole section on why our des even our desire needs a Sabbath. Mm. We need a day to be okay to say no to our desires, just to not follow them. Yeah. So my answer to the question is, I don't like what he said, it is 100% accurate. I'm angry at him for saying it. And I'd appreciate it if Rogan would stop reading my mail. <laughs> Did you know some people do their PhDs just to learn how to spell Brueggemann? Did you know uh, that? No, I didn't know that. That's, that's it pretty takes good. five years of training and an oral defense. In my undergrad, um, they told me my, my, it, was a, it was a degree in theology. And he was like, once you can spell Schleiermacher, you're ready to graduate. Just... <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah. M I S S I S S I P P I S C H L E I. 
A C H E R. We'll say yes. We'll say yes. We'll say that that is enough for you to get a bachelor's degree in theology. There you go. Uh, way there to go. go. Yes, I, I, I mean uh, the the insatiable. Here, here's here's what's uh, here's what's transpired is that the myth of social media and our our iPhones. Really, what the iPhone has done is the iPhone has tricked us into believing that we can be omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. Mm. It is it is a deception. And it is, in a way, representative of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that we can have more. Yes. It's, it's the deception of more. Mm. And when I, when I get on this thing, it tricks me into believing that I can be anywhere I want to be, get whatever I want, whenever I want it, however I want it. And it forms in me, and I really actually appreciate this in Carl Truman's book, The Making of the, the Modern Self, is that it, more than anything, and I have plenty of issues with Truman, but, but I love this idea, that the iPhone deceives us into kinds of people who believe that we must obey the more. Mm. And it's a deception, because you can have a little bit more, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the minute you get more, you lose the Garden of Eden. Yeah, that's it. That that speaks perfectly towards this idea of what consumption can do. That is that is the desire for yep. more. Yep. It it fuels that. It fuels the uh, that idea. Yep. Um, yeah, that's I, that's awesome, AJ. Uh, I think you know as we leave here, I think this is super rich. Um, such a, a timely subject. Um, I just wonder if you have like maybe some final advice of, um, you know, us as Christians, as we're, as we're tackling, cause we're, you know, we're in the world, but not of the world. We're, we're members of the kingdom of God and, and also Americans or, or, uh, Westerners or, or wherever country we're situated in. And, uh, and it's always that negotiation for us, you know, how, how do we, how do we live as a witness in our given context? What would you say is a, um, an advice or, or a piece of advice you'd want to leave, um, listeners to like, how, how do we, how can we focus on, Jesus and being in this kind of unity with him in a, like you said, a season where the patron saint is Santa Claus, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and not, and not Jesus. Like how, how can we do that? Um, what, what would you leave the people with? Mm. Um, yeah, it's Christmas. I hope people listen to this outside of Christmas time, but, um, there are going to be opportunities this, this Advent, season this christmas season to be generous with your wealth and that's terrific you need to be generous with your wealth do it give a lot of money away it's good it's important as you can do it um but do not neglect do not neglect equal matters of justice and mercy be generous with your time Mm. look somebody in the eyes when you could be on your phone and treat someone as though they are made in the image of god and your phone is not yeah. Be good. generous with your time. Be generous with your schedule. Find one person in your church who reflects something of poverty, the destitute spirit, the lowly. And don't walk up to them and give them a check. Sit next to them. Mm. How does God make us lowly? He puts us among the lowly. That relationship is way more important than that tax-deductible thing that you want to give at the end of the year. Mm. The greatest things in the kingdom are not tax-deductible. That's good. 
good. Give some time and some energy and some attention to someone in need. And write a big check. There you go. <laughs> you can. <laughs> go for it. Yeah, if you can do it. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, AJ, for your time today. It has been an absolute honor and a joy to hear from you. Um, uh, all of his stuff will probably be linked in the in the show notes. So make your way down there. <laughs> yep. Click on things. Submersive Sabbath is a is was a big inspiration for this episode. So award winning book. That's an award winning book right there. That's very generous. You guys, I, 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 <laughs> you are phenomenal uh, interview ears. And it's a gift to be with the two of you. Continue your work at at, at uh, Life Pacific as you do. And God's grace to you and mercy this this Advent season. It was an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thank Amen. you Thank so you. much. All right. We'll see you guys. Uh, all our listeners will see you next year. See ya.